I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, kids. Uh, happy Wednesday to you. Welcome to Just a Game. I am me, you are you. Thanks for being here on the Nation Network. Uh, just a programming note, Friday's show will go at 1.30 Mountain. 1.30 Mountain, we're delaying a half hour. Uh, the uh, Barnburner guys are on location, so uh, we're going to buy a little time there. And speaking of uh, the Barnburner guys, taking a night off, I've got Afterburner with you immediately following the Flames and the San Jose Sharks tonight. Game 82, it's it, kaput, it's over. Uh, we will talk more about it's over kaput uh, in a little while. Also joining us in the Oodle Noodle studio in just a little while is Marco Carducci from the Cavalry FC. Their season in the CPL starts this weekend. We'll talk to the outstanding young keeper from Calgary. But right now, uh, what a pleasure for us as uh, we go to our first guest brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard. SkiSellerSnowboard.com, 76 years in Calgary, three locations, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, Bow Ridge Northwest by McDonald's, uh, just below Windsport. Um, haven't talked to this guy in, in a broadcast form in a while, and he's truly one of my favorites, and he's a really good dude that I got to know when I was at Sportsnet, and we've stayed connected. Um, I enjoy him a lot, immensely talking about hockey, which he gets to do uh, on all Bruins broadcasts on Nesson, but he's also got his own podcast, Morning Brew, with Razor, who is Andrew Raycroft. So anybody who is prepared to do a podcast with a goalie deserves even extra credit. Uh, would you please welcome our dear friend, our good friend, Billy Jaffe joins us from the east coast billy how the heck are you i'm a glutton for punishment having to deal with a former goalie actually he's the most normal andrew raycroft is yes. the most normal goaltender that i think i've ever dealt with which is scary and right. it's awesome at the same time okay now he's he is so no rob it's awesome to be on with you i am thrilled that um you've uh re rekindled your passion of of talking and uh talking sports in particular hockey and i know all things especially calgary and uh i'm glad that this worked out my schedule in a good way has been really 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 busy but i'm just thrilled that this has worked out We're having a, a wednesday a gorgeous wednesday afternoon by the way rob oh is gorgeous it wednesday. it's playoff hockey it's boston playoff hockey and i know people think jesus you, you boston people you know but <laughs> it's unbelievable like I'll just get it out of the way right now. Yep. I have no words. I, I've run out of adjectives to describe what has happened this year I know. with this team here. I know. It's crazy. It's it's insane. So let me try it this way, Billy. One year ago, 
when I would have tuned in or downloaded Morning Brew, what were you and, and Raycroft talking about? What was the mood a year ago, Game 82? This still made the playoffs last year, right? Yeah. But what yeah. was the mood around the team? Oh, Jesus. I have such a bad memory. Um, <laughs> been hitting the head a lot. Um, I would tell you this. Going into a pretty good season, if I remember correctly, it was 100 and, uh, geez, 101, 107 yeah. points, something like that. Yeah. So it wasn't bad. But there was this thing kind of lingering out there about, oof, but are they good enough to really win more than a round? Are they going to be? Remember, they took on the Carolina Hurricanes. Right. And it ended up being the ultimate homer series as each team won all their games at home. And because Carolina had home ice, they won the series four games to three. Um, So what would we have talked about? We would have talked about how it was nice to get through this regular season. We had some nice performances. We have questions, though, Mm -hmm. about the second line. We have questions about the usage of the the Bergeron line. They expect too much out of them. Can, you know, we 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 didn't have that much question about the D, at least we thought, because, you know, Hampus Lindholm had come in and played pretty well. Right. And you're like, oh, you got McAvoy and Lindholm. That's good, right? Yeah. And Grizz. What about goaltending? That was a big question. Huge question last year, this time, before hitting into the playoffs. So that's what we would have talked about. And we probably would have BSed about some other stuff non-hockey on the show, too. (laughs) Of course we would have. Uh, (laughs) And we still will. Uh, At that time, though, and this is where I'll jog your memory, I believe Jake DeBrusque, had asked quietly for a trade. The team had dealt with it. The player dealt with it. They were Everybody was professional. But that was a storyline last year, correct? It was earlier in the year. Okay. Once, okay, this is, and, and I won't go through the whole timeline. Yeah, yeah. Once once Jake DeBrus asked for the trade, and I'm going to say it was November or December, and it was public. And by the way, Rob, you know, he had asked for a trade before that. Yeah. It just finally come out again. Yeah. And then it was later in the year that Bruce Cassidy actually put Jake with Bergeron and Marchand and said, here you go. Like, not here you go. Show me. He's like, hey, listen, here's an opportunity. Make the most of it. Go do this. Go do that. And, right. And Jake, Jake did that. Jake, Jake did. He started, really, he started his ascension or, or re-emergence as a player when Bruce did that. And, um, and when Jake, I think, got more comfortable. And let's not forget – on trade deadline day, it was announced, Rob, that Jake signed a two-year extension. Yep. yep. So everything was kind of tuckered out. When I say tuckered out, yep. meaning he wasn't traded then. So that was good. That was in March, and then in April was all right. And Jake played really well the last third of the season. Was there at this point, heading into the playoffs last year, any thought about the coach? Was there any story about the coach? Was the coach a consideration for anybody? Again, 100-plus point season. Um. I'm not sure. You know, I, I, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think you knew, I think you knew that there had been some kind of tension between him and, and Jake. He yeah. understood that. I mean, that was pretty, that was pretty clear. Um, you know, you, you, you think that, you know, everything that's going on, but from somebody like yourself, who's been in the business mm. for a long time, you don't know what's going on nope. always, you know, like you can know all the things you can hear things and everything, but Rob, when it's all said and done, if you're not sitting in that room, yeah. You don't know. Right. You really don't know. You can have people tell you things and you're like, hmm, holy, oh, okay. But until you're in the room. So I always I always hesitate to say for certain what I knew because I'm not in that room. Yeah. Now, over the summer, after the so the team loses and you know they make the tr- they make the decision after it seemed like Bruce was gonna be okay for a while. Then that kind of caught a lot of people by surprise be- just because of how 
the the not the what's the word I'm looking for how how the whole thing transpired. Sure, put it that way. Yep. We thought if something put it this way after they lost, then we thought, well, could maybe if only because. But then it was no, this is our guy. Blah 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 blah. blah or you know, and yep. then it was that. So we just kind of figured, all right. But then obviously things changed. Then things change. So Jim Montgomery comes in, but and and I don't know. This is this is scouting from afar, and, and we're always guilty of doing this. Yep. Some other things happen. Krejci comes back. Oh yeah, how? Huge. Yeah, huge, huge, huge. But was that ever an expectation that if A happened, no. B would happen? No. Okay. Um, was it an expectation? I think maybe there were people that hoped. Uh, that certain that that would happen yeah. that a guy like David Krejci would come back. Um, Krejci, I think, as you well know, and you've seen, is incredibly tight with David Pasternak, mm-hmm. and they spent a lot of time together after the season, and so I think that had significant impact on it. Um, and I think David's young family, Krejci, that is, he mm-hmm. has a young family after spending the year in Chechia and doing what he wanted to be done and they wanted to happen, meaning live their experience certain things their family wise language wise um and then i think there was an understanding that maybe this was a right way for him to go back and i think his comfort level was um at a at a very at a good place i don't it's not to say that he was uncomfortable before i just think he felt he needed to take care of a few things other outside of hockey and he did and uh then he's like all right and i think he had so much fun with posturnock after the season that he's like why wouldn't we do this again? right Right. Let's, okay. We get to this season and, and you've already said you don't, you know, I, I appreciate where you're coming from. Nobody predicts 64 wins. Nobody predicts, no. you know, new records and things like that. Give me a sense though, Billy, watching this team, when did you sense that, okay, hold on here. This is better than maybe we predicted or maybe better than we thought. Got off to a really good start, right? But we we both know that first quarter of the season can be a red herring for teams at times. When when did it you know when did it click for this club? Um, I'm trying to think if I have a specific moment. Uh, you know, I couldn't agree with you more about how the first quarter of the season, you know, could be the uh, you know false love, yeah. so, so to speak, yeah. right? Yeah, but can be when we kept saying certain things, Rob, like. All right, well, now they're going on the road, and they've got, you know, this out of that. Then Look, if they can just go 500 here, then they're fine. And they mm-hmm. would go, you know, they'd go seven for seven. You're like, holy smokes. And then, all right, well, hey, now they're coming back after a road trip. And you always know how that first game back after a road trip is. And, like, yeah, no problem. And they end up winning that game. And next thing you know, and I'm so bad with numbers, so I apologize if I'm wrong. Please, please. I'm sure <laughs> there's going to be somebody listening up. Like, no, nobody uh, doing that. I think at one point, were they 17 of 19 or something? Yeah, and all of a sudden, yeah. you're just like, wait. They've done this without Marshan. They've done this without McAvoy. They've yeah. done this partially without Grizzlick. And they say, wait, okay, so now – once they got to a certain point, I forget what it was, where I had a buddy of mine who's a big stats guru who's like, all they need to do is go four or six games over 500, and they've got like 102 points already. <laughs> and this was early in the season, like after 20-something games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wow. And I did that moment, we all just kind of said, this is for real. And when you know McAvoy came back, or all all guys came back early. It was amazing how, how well they healed, but also how the staff got them ready. Yep. 
when they came back in and they they fit in seamlessly, I think that was a real testament to not only to the players, but also to the coaching and the system and the style and how well they had prepared this team. And all of a sudden you said, wait, this is a really good team. And because this one guy's coming in, instead of everybody looking at that one player, like a you know an all-world player like Marchand or, or McAvoy and saying, Oh, we have to have him. It was like, no, welcome back. Yep. Make us better where you can, but don't don't feel responsible. Yep. And and then and because of that, they would elevate the team even to higher levels. And then you start saying, This is this is the big thing about this team, the depth. You start saying, Well, okay, wait, the Marshan Bergeron create uh DeBrusque line was awesome, but then they slowed up a little bit. But the next thing you know, Krejci and all of a sudden Zaka and Pasternak are going. Mm. What do you do? Oh wait, Charlie Coyle. He's having a fantastic year. Hall's Hall's first twenty six games of the year were outstanding. You could just see the first twenty five games or so. They're like this team is deep as deep as deep could be, and especially with their goaltending going back and forth. You're like, where's this weak link? You just listed off some names, and I, I guess I kind of forgot. Uh, you know, typically the powerhouses in the in the modern NHL have been built from rebuilds, right? burn it to the ground, first round picks, and maybe you have to do it two or three times. Not, And this is not a shot at Boston, and actually it's kind of the opposite. You know, they've really done a nice job of going out and bringing people in from other organizations that complement this team. That, that yeah. you know, like Taylor Hall, for instance, he's not meant, you know, it's a long way from Taylor Tyler and, and Edmonton and Boston way early on. He just, he fits in. Uh, Coyle, like, I've always liked Charlie Coyle. He's big and he can move and... Again, all of these pieces that have come from elsewhere, and they've just seem like from far away, Billy, just fit in. Yeah, you know, you talk about there's a Bruin mentality, right? Yeah, like they, they they seem like Bruins. Now, last few years before, they had a little bit of up and down play here, but mm-hmm. they've they kind of lost their big bad Bruinsness. Maybe the league also lost sure. it too, right? Yeah. They, but a lot of these guys that are now around the team seem feel an awful like like Bruins, and I'm getting away from the Taylor Halls and the Charlie Coyles. Although Coyle definitely fits that mentality, he's not a bruiser, but he's a beast of a man. Yep, his puck possession skills, his puck possession numbers are extraordinary. He's having his best year. He's really been positioned well, so well, third line center, but also his 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 usage rob has been tremendous he's one of the first pk guys all the time over the boards and this and that and mm-hmm. all, just awesome great year mm-hmm. um but the guys like bertuzzi guys like hathaway and orlov those players that have been brought in absolutely are what you would call classic boston bruin type players taylor hall fit in here right away he really ensconced or or, or really um put himself into the good place with bruins fans when he basically dictated where he was going to go yeah. in that trade with the Buffalo Sabres. You know, yeah. I want to go to Boston. That's it. I want to go there. Yeah. Why? I just want to go there. That's the place that I want to go, how they play, what they're about, what the city's like. And that did a lot of, you know, like who doesn't like to be liked or loved, mm-hmm. right? So that's what the fans felt about him, and he's been great. And the Bruins have had to do that, considering how well that they have played, except for very few what we'll call hiccup years. They're always usually in the bottom I mean, for sure, 10, but sometimes even the bottom six of drafts yep. in the NHL. So eventually, as we've seen, as I think we've all learned, and especially now I've seen this past season, where while first-round picks are awesome, they're really becoming more of an asset to move than they are guaranteed to play, you know? Yeah, so, at that level, yeah, right? At that level, right, yeah. it, it, exactly. 
So the Bruins say, well, all right. And the Bruins have always been good at this too, signing college free agents. Yeah. And that's, they're still, they got a kid in the minors who, two kids actually, but one guy who's, he's going to back up uh, Swayman uh, Thursday night in uh, Montreal and, and Brandon Bussey, who's having an all-star first season in the American Hockey League. Kid's huge, big, played at Western Michigan. You know, uh, it might be his second year, beg your pardon. And, um, you know, here's another bona fide potential NHL, but they, that's what they do well. They have, and they have to because their drafts lo- later in the round, not always really a sure thing at all. Right. I, I want, there's a couple of specific players and one of them, you know who I want to talk to you about, but I just want to go back to one thing. Cause you and I've been in this business. You've been an analyst. I'm not taking pot shots at anybody, but what's also remarkable about this season is there were stories swirling around the Bruins. I don't think they made them, but they had to answer for them. Uh, well, one they did, but Pasternak and the new contract, that was, is he going to get done? Is he going to leave? At least that kept Elliot Friedman and Chris Johnston and those guys busy for a while. And then uh, the signing of the young man that Arizona dropped and and how the leadership group kind of reacted to that. And that's where I kind of want to go on this, Billy, is that there's other things that could have been big distractions and dark clouds, and uh, this team just didn't allow that. The reason is... Their leadership group yeah. is tremendous. Something that the Bruins have had the luxury of, is, and, and you can't take it for granted, is leadership starts with one, but has to be done by many, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You can have one leader that everybody respects, but you still have to have others around them that believe in the same values, that treat things and treat people the same way, and are all, what's the, the pulling on the rope, yep. same direction yep. type of thing. Yep. Bruins have always done a really good job too, Rob, of developing core leadership group at different levels. You know, the captain, whatever, the ultimate group of vets, but then you've got that mid-level, and then you have a young level. You you need to establish who your young leaders are going to be as well. Right. Because you need conduits to all different parts of your lineup, per se. And, you know, the young kids can all look at the veteran and like a Zidane Char or Patrice Bergeron, but if they're so intimidated that they don't have somebody else that they can go talk to, mm-hmm. then what are you going to do? And by the way, that's another thing the Bruins do so well. There's no intimidation factor. You know, Patrice Bergeron's is likely to put his arm around you and hang out, you know, and, and, and lead by friendship as he is to every once in a while, probably have some strong words. And they're not like mean, strong words. I mean, I, yep. the guy is, he's like Nick Lidstrom and everybody says it. He's, you know, he's like the perfect human. His hair always looks <laughs> good you know he's always saying the right thing it's disgusting it's awful like I can't, it, it's it's just it's just brutal um beyond jealous um but and it's it was kind of the same way with chara too sure. albeit you know here's this massive man you know mount man mountain but did a lot of things the right way and it established the culture for this team so great to your point about the possible distractions um their focus has been on what's in front of them all season long I do think that they've had a purpose since day one. The mm-hmm. purpose is to look, you see guys like David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron deciding to come back. You've known since day one, since the minute that ink was drying those contracts, if you're a player on that team, that this could be their last year. Yep. Are you going to waste your time and more importantly, their time? Right. And because right. father time ain't on their side, right? Yep. And so if you're going to do that, then what are you doing? What are you doing? And they haven't they've they've they, this leadership group and the group is in general has been it's been so much fun to be around i've learned a lot this year it's funny you know like yeah. 
he just turned 54 and it's a great lesson. You know, you keep on learning, even from these guys that are young bucks at only 30 years old or whatever. It's, it's really been a fun educational and just, you know, viewing from the outside observational season. It's been very cool. How has, and there's a purpose to this question. How has Jim Montgomery harnessed that leadership group? I'm, I'm assuming he just got out of the way, but I'm not there. At times, you know, I think that's an easy thing to say, you know, Hey, I just let them do it. You know, it's Bergie. I let him go. And Jim is, boy, he's been masterful, you mm-hmm. know, with his tactic, tech, tactical ways, but also his communication, his communicate, communicative skills are very, very good. Um, as were Bruce Cassidy, so he was excellent. He was uh, loquacious and, and, and beautiful with the media. Montgomery's let fewer words, but still as, as beautiful with the media too, gives you a lot of substance yeah. in different ways, but so we're blessed to have those coaches too around us for all these years as a media person. Um, but Montgomery has, you know, he has said, you know, some of my best work is I just let him go. But you have to have trust. Sure. You've got to trust them. And they've even got to trust you because players still want to be led. They still want to mm-hmm. have structure. There's a time that players want to be let go. I mean, you know, and hey, let us handle it. We're good. No worries. Get out. And then there's other times where it's okay. Maybe you need to listen to that coach. Maybe you need to hear a little bit of that tone change in the voice. But Montgomery has, that's been one of his things, his feel, whether it's on the ice. He's, uh, at times we called him in a complimentary way, the mad scientist with line tweaks uh, in game that almost always worked, especially the first half of the year. And then I think off ice too, where, um, you know, when he looks at Bergeron and Marshan and Felino and McAvoy and I'm missing guys, I know that, yeah, but yeah. all those guys, I think he just says, all right, listen, these are pros. These are guys that if I lead, if we, if we help lead them the direction we want to go with certain things and they're taking it, they're doing their best to take it in the direction that we want. I got to let them go. I do. I got to let him go a bit. I got to let it trust because he always says these guys are unbelievable players, unbelievable players to do what they do. Sometimes I just need to zip my mouth. He admitted too. He's like, look in my past, you know, I, I, maybe he wasn't as positive as yeah. I needed to be. And he's, you know, you know, if, if I think with this group, I think it's real easy to sit here and say right now, you know, hindsight being 2020 or not hindsight, but you know, the, the, the recency, the history of this season, it's easy to say just to let it go. But I think he has told himself throughout the season, these guys are going to be okay. I can help tweak things, but they're going to be okay. I got to, I got to trust them to go in that right direction. So, Billy, I said there was a point to this question. Um, Here in Calgary, the relationship between the players and the coach became very public. Uh, Nobody wanted that, but that's the way it came out. They're not on the same page. Uh, Daryl Sutter became the Flames' all-time leading uh, coach, now up to 403 games. That's the all-time leading coach, 403 games. Mm -hmm. John Cooper's been in Tampa Bay for 10 years, which... I postulate, and that's why I asked you the question about the leadership group. Has coaching changed in the way you get? Is it more important now to have Stamkos, Hedman send the message, Bergeron, Pasternak send the message, carry the message? Is that the, the next level of coaching now as we move forward that the coaches, you know, the good teams are always going to have? And I, I suppose it's always been that way, but even more so now, you know, the coach tries to send the message through the leaders. Um, but only if the leaders and the coach are on the same page. Right. Which is not here. Right. 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 So you you can have great leaders, but for some reason, if they're not copacetic with the coaches, 
don't think it matters. I mean, I think the most important thing about coaching still, I don't think it's ever changed, by okay. the way. You have, just get yourself a good freaking goalie. It'll help you, you know? <laughs> yes, um, fair enough. That, that, yeah. Well, I really don't think things have changed much <laughs> yeah, in the last true. 100 years. All right. I wonder if you ask Scotty Bowman how important Ken Dryden was to him. Yeah, exactly. But um, I think the most important thing about new age coaching is how do you talk with players not down to them Mm -hmm. because if you talk with them and you make them feel that they are involved in the process then i I do believe that you are um allowing them ownership of certain things and they do not want to own everything again players want to play yes okay they want to play they also want to win right but so if you lead them in that direction and you say, hey, try this, not that, what do you think? I think an awful lot of times then you get the buy-in. Oh, oh you know, this guy knows what he's talking about, and he's given me the listen. He's given me the ear, so to speak, and, um, y- you know, little things. Mm-hmm. Days off, yep. right? Yep. Days off goes a long way. But then you, not only that, but then if you say to the leaders, hey – what days off would what extra days off would what do you think about this or that or if, if the leader comes in and says hey i can tell you there's three guys that feel like crap right now you know let's you know maybe this you know what the coach says you got it all of a sudden there's again there's a partial ownership in it i'm not saying that you've got a kowtow to no. all of their no. needs and desires but uh coaching Lindy Ruff told me years and years and years ago, I asked him years ago, when this is when he was still with Buffalo, what's the biggest difference, Lindy? How have you been able to survive so long, right? And he said, it's how I communicate with the players. I talk with them now instead of down to them. And I, and I think that is the most important thing now. I, I'm glad I am. I'm always glad to talk to you. But that little nugget right there, talking to them, not down to them, really makes a lot of sense. Uh, you mentioned goalies. Um, we do a little thing here on the show. I, I Every day I tweet out a, a little reading assignment from somewhere around the league. And earlier in the week or last week, it was uh, from The Athletic and, and Fluto Shinzawa. And mm-hmm. that, I don't know if you read it, on the two inches on yep. Li- Linus Allmark, um, mm-hmm. there's an incredible story. What, 38th in, in save percentage last year and, and now is li- likely going to be your Vesna Trophy winner? Yeah, if he's not the Vezina Trophy winner, we we investigation wow. yeah. galore. Jack Adams I mean, and Vezina for sure, right? And <laughs> yeah, you know, and if it and wasn't Selke. for Connor McDavid and Selkie and Selkie, I apologize and Selkie. Yeah, yeah. Patrice has had a better year this year than he has last year. <laughs> That's wrong. That's wrong. It's just I wrong. Know. I know. Um, and he just he looks so good. <laughs> Anyways, again, it's just disgusting. Um, Linus Allmark, Rob has been. So comfortable this season from his, uh, you know, personality to his presence in the net. It's been, I, I think, and this is not hyperbole. I hope that's the right word of the use, right use of the word. If I could speak. Um, I think I've, I think that there's been one at most two goals this year where the ultimate analyst cliche of, Hmm. Maybe, you know, that one he might look at and not, you know, be mm-hmm. happy with it. Like that one back. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not. I'm not. Like, he gets beat. He ends up getting beat because you got to tip your hat to the other team. There's sure. good players on the other team. Yep. But his style, his presence, 
his rebound control and his attitude in net have been absolutely spot on. It has been uh, tremendous to watch. And you talk about the two inches. Mm-hmm. It's the flow and what that is, is about, and I'm not, not a former goalie. So I thought it was an interesting article too. And and I working with Razor, with, with Raycroft, you know, I talk about it with him yeah. and I learn an awful lot there too. It's just about keeping your body in motion much more than getting out, getting set, waiting for the shot, and then having to explode right. to make your second save. And so there's a flow there. And while the premise seems very normal and natural, when you read about it and then you see it, uh, to the uneducated, you don't really know it. And also, you know, you say, well, if that was so easy, why doesn't everybody do it? And I think more and more of these guys are doing it. I also think we went through, I know we went through an area of robotic goaltenders. Like everybody got to the set, they got square, they got big, they cheated their equipment. Actually, it wasn't cheating at the time. They used their cheater equipment, but it was legal. And they block shots. Now, as these guys go from behemoth and robotic to behemoth and athletic, you teach them to use fluidness or fluidity to their game or add it to their game. And then they can make saves. His and and, and so you think you, you you look at it and you think about all of the second saves he's made going laterally on the second opportunity, and you're like, that makes sense. It's been it's been impressive. So impressive. Last one for you, and it has to do with and I purposefully kept it to the back end Pasternak uh, we talked briefly about the contract but um you you and I have been around long enough to know that you know this game has been criticized the players in this game have been criticized for not showing enough character and then when they show character they get criticized right. um the achievements are one thing but just the way this young man carries himself the all-star game coming to games uh, he's just a breath of fresh air. How does he fit in Boston? I mean, obviously the results are are, are going to make fans happy, but is it you know is he going to be now part of that lexicon of Boston sports history? I sure hope so, because he he's a good person. Mm. He is such a good person. You know, I always I have a saying: "There's never a bad day in Pastaville." <laughs> I mean, the guy. The, the guy is always smiling. He's always himself. Whatever he does, whether it's via his comments, which are really not that no. radical or everything, no. but it's just it's just wonderfully honest. And, and he says it with his accent and he makes you feel good, you know, like he just does. And I think that that's a special thing you either have or you don't, Rob, as, as, yeah. as a person. Um, or, his, or his personality shines through in his clothes. And for somebody like myself who really loves, you know, clothes and just just the personality it makes you have, or I shouldn't say they they allow your personality to come out through them. Yeah, they're real, and he just it's 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 real for him, and he should be because I mean he de- he really wants to be here. Like it's not mm-hmm. just signing the contract for the money. Of course, the money's nice. I mean, who sure. wouldn't want to sign ninety million dollars? But this is where he started. This is where he wants to be. This is what he knows. This is, he really wants to be that next generation of legendary Bruins. I mean, mm. think about the the group that you well, know, people yeah. say, oh, well, no, Bergeron's going to be gone and Krejci's going to be gone. And you're right, they're going to. But they now have McAvoy for eight more years. They have Olmark for seven more, up. Uh, two more years. They have Lindholm for seven more years. I believe it is. You got coil for a few more. You've got DeBrusque potentially, you know, yeah. for another, whatever Zaka. We've even mentioned him. What a player he's been this year. Yeah. He signed a four year deal extension. So he's part of this group and he wants, and where I've seen the best 
biggest improvement in his game uh, maturity level is his leadership. Um, he really wants to do things the right way. Uh, look, he's going to turn the puck over because it's on his stick so much. You know, he leads the league in shots on goal and he leads the league in giveaways. Mm-hmm. All right. That's going to happen. If you look at the list of everybody who gives the puck away in the NHL, these are all stars that have the puck on their stick all the time. Yeah. Now you might say, Hey, clean it up. And you know, within six feet of the blue line, please, <laughs> you know, if you can, but he's such a special player. I mean, he's a 60 goal guy, you know, yeah. like 50 is unbelievable. Then you say, well, wait, yeah. he decided to p- put throttle down and he's a 60 goal guy now in a matter of a week and a half. And that's pretty heady stuff, Rob. It that's is. Just, that, that's different levelness, right? And this is a guy that, uh, you know, this town has had some really fun hockey characters. You go back to the, the Derek Sanderson's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know, you go back to those early seventies and the Phil Esposito, Milbury. And, I mean, go, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got it. He's not outlandish. He's not going to, you know, beat the snot out of you like other guys did, but he's going to score on you. And he, you know, I think for the next couple of years, and of course his center is going to be important. The guys around him, but I think they're going to be pretty good. What, what center wouldn't want to come here and play? with him oh, you know absolutely yeah absolutely no absolutely he's, he's special he, he really is so it's fun to be around him too billy always good to catch up with you thanks for doing this i'm hoping that we'll be able to uh grab you in the middle of the playoffs maybe between series because something tells me you're working till june this year that's me not you you didn't say it i said it hey listen i'll full uh, here's the good news rob yeah right i'm scheduled to work through the stanley cup regardless okay Okay. Here's the here's the reality. Yeah. As much as I love working through the Stanley Cup, I hope that half my games are at home. <laughs> I don't I, I don't blame you. You I don't blame you. I will say this. Um, in a small, tiny way, uh, the Boston Bruins have played a role in what has happened uh here in Calgary. How's that? Uh, well, that game here at the dome mm-hmm. where the Calgary Flames played the best team in the National Hockey League. And outchanced him and outshot him and outplayed him and did everything and found a way to lose was just the game that everybody points to. Like, it, if you got, come away, if you could do that, that's what they should be. And you can't win every game, Billy, but they played. They competed against the best team in the National Hockey League that night. And they were, they were right there for one game. Well, and yet it, that it, was it, just so in few and far between. You're right. The Bruins had played the night before. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I'm and I'm not waiting. And I'm not saying that, that that's part of the NHL. Sure, back to back part of it and all. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. taking anything away. That was a prime night for Calgary, right? To do what they did, and then that was one of those nights. And I and and you asked me much, much, much earlier in this chat about yeah. was there a time? And I thought about that game a little bit, and I'm like, no, no, because the Bruins were, we already knew that yeah, they were really they were good really. until then. But that was the night where you completely unequivocally knew that Linus Olmark was winning the Vezina that night. Yeah. 57 say 57 shots, 54 saves in that game. Bruins record, by the way, of shots face for goalie in that game. But I get what you're saying now. I, I do. Calgary was really, really, really good that game. And how the Bruins held on for dear life, we don't know. And that's that's the prime example, too, for what, and I'll finish with this, is that there were there have been so many games this year, Rob, where afterwards we literally will giggle like little kids before actually on the air 
both in in post game and even in morning brew with my, with myself and Razor, yeah. where we're giggling because we don't know what else to say. Like, did we just really see that happen? Yeah, and we know it's just regular season, and more importantly, they know it's just regular season. Sure, but if you still can't appreciate what we've been through, oof, it, you know, it it's fun. It was fun. It is fun. I hope you. I hope everybody out there enjoys it. You're a good man, buddy. It's been a long time. Thank you for everything. Uh, like I say, we'll try to do this again here this spring. But, Billy, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Rob, great to see you, buddy. All right. Talk soon. There you go. The great Billy Jaffe from Nesson. Uh, just one of my favorites in the game. And you see why. He's got a great enthusiasm for it. Of course, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard. SkiSellerSnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary. Now, yes, the snow is gone here. But it's not gone in the mountains. You still may want to go out there. You still may want to be somewhere where it's cool. You can get great deals right now at Ski Seller Snowboard on warm weather gear. And if it isn't for this spring, it'll be there when you need it next fall and winter. So check them out. Three locations, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, and Bow Ridge Road Northwest. So, Rob, how come you started the show talking about the Boston Bruins? Because I wanted to talk about the other end of the spectrum. I wanted to talk about a team now, and Billy... God bless him. He pointed it out. Let's let's not suggest for a second that the Boston Bruins and the Calgary Flames found themselves in the exact same situation 12 months apart. That's that's not accurate. The Bruins did make the playoffs last year. They did lose. They had 100-plus points. But if you remember, there was this is-it-over kind of thing. Krejci had left. Um, you know, Bergeron, he can't play forever, Kenny. Um it just the injuries to the blue line. I mean, we forget that they didn't start the season with Bergeron. They didn't start with McAvoy, Grizzly. There was some significant injuries for this, and they knew it early. There was going to be significant injuries for this team, and then they changed the coach. and And Billy brought that up, right? Like, no, we thought he was Bruce Cassidy was staying, and then he's not. Now Jim Montgomery's in. I bring that up only because sometimes with some distance. There's some things we can learn. The Calgary Flames will play game 82 tonight. There's nothing in the next 3 to 10 to 20 minutes that I am going to say um, that probably hasn't already been articulated that for some of you won't go far enough, uh, probably for a handful will go too far. Um, it's emotional when you attach yourself to a team. Fandom is is... You know, Billy talks about giggling and laughing and everything. That's the best part of fandom, right? How do you think up in Edmonton feels right now? They love it, as they should. And for two decades, they didn't. And they shouldn't. And they were writing letters. Back when we used to have newspapers, back when that was a thing, full-page newspaper ads apologizing to fans because we sucked this year. It's part of the fandom. You know, the uh, the elation of, of winning a game, you have no chance shouldn't be in you know of uh, the, the the Boston Bruins set a NHL record for uh wins in a season they have 64 they they set a uh, record for points in a season 133 but Billy mentioned it they also set another record this year the most saves in a game and a win and that was here in Calgary there hasn't been a lot of joy in Mudville here but now what but but now what let me um let me try and build a case here for something. Um, first of all, you should take what I say with a grain of salt, some salt. 
you should take it with a grain of salt. If we're being completely, if you, I hope it will challenge what you think. I hope you will take something out of it and, and, and say, mm, that makes sense or mm, that doesn't pass. Okay. But I used to work for that organization up until six, seven months ago. We parted ways. Um, I love a lot. Of, I think they have some incredible staff there. I think Jason Kelly's a star. I think Brent Gibbs is a star. I think Tori Peterson's a star. Carlo Petrini, P. Stu, uh, Jordy, and Steve, and, and um, uh, Aaron, and Melinda, and Amy, and Chris Huey, and, 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 and. I, there's just so many people over there that I think um, are really Great human beings and, and awesome professionals. I just want to start off by saying that. And that has nothing to do with the results on the ice. That has nothing to do with the results on the ice. But I just want you to know where I'm coming from. This is not a one-season thing. It isn't. It isn't. If you take out the two expansion teams, Seattle and Vegas, there's only one team in the National Hockey League who's never had a coach coach more games behind the bench than Daryl Sutter has in two stints combined with Calgary. 403 games, I believe, now? Or 404 tonight? Only the Florida Panthers do not have a single coach for more. And I, somebody could fact-check me, and I could be wrong on that, but I went through it last night. Only the Florida Panthers, their leading coach in terms of games behind the bench, does not exceed Daryl Sutter's 404. Hell, the Dallas Stars have four coaches in their history that have way more. Four. Lots of teams. The original six teams, and on and on and on it goes. What does that mean? It means that for whatever reason, historically, for good, for bad, for no reason, for any reason, there's no continuity in that particular role. You're telling me that a team has been here since the early 80s, the 80s, 80, that nobody could coach 500 games? And again, the coaches leading it right now did it in two stints, not one. Badger Bob did 401 stint. Again, where's the consistency? Where's the build? In a way... You could say that uh, Bradtree Living's a breath of fresh air because he's been here for nine seasons. And outside of Cliff Fletcher, not a lot of GMs have had that kind of longevity. But in that time, he inherited Bob Hartley. He hired Glenn Gullitson. That didn't work. Got the guy he wanted, Bill Peters. That ends in scandal. Promotes the, um, his assistant when Peters can't coach anymore. And then Daryl Sutter comes back. And I am not suggesting for a second that I am um, no way. I'm just part of a bigger group that doesn't think that Daryl Sutter was ever Brad for Living's choice. Never heard that from Brad. The organization's never said that. I do believe that that's an ownership pick. I, and I, I'm part of a, a, a sea of voices that feels that in the media. Um, that's just an opinion. I Please don't take that as fact. It's just my opinion that that Daryl Sutter was picked by the co or by the, the owner. I believe the GM knew it. I mean, it's not like he surprised him with it, but I'm not sure that that was his pick. Um, we're not, we're not going to see the same coach and the general manager and all of that next year. I just don't see a scenario in which that happens. Um, and I don't know 
who needs to take a fall. I don't know of anybody. The, the problem is right now we all want to head on a pike. Like, ah, it's this guy. Ah, it's that guy. But it does go back to what I mentioned to Billy. And the question, and you've heard me, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I keep raising this. Let's talk about coaching. I like Daryl Sutter. He's treated me, my family, like gold. He's a very smart guy. He's a very demanding guy. Hell, I've been scolded and yelled at at, at dinners by Daryl as an MC. You should be doing this. You shouldn't be doing. But that's fine. That's him. That's he's a he's Daryl. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Brad True Living, like a big fan of Brad True Living. I don't. I can't think of too many people outside of Craig Conroy who've done more for me. Um, that you know, this isn't the time or the place. But man, he has at the right time stepped up, and he's always kind of been there. And and some projects that I've worked on, he's always been the first guy to say yes. You know, or uh, when we did the uh, trauma informed coaching s- seminar for Hockey Calgary in the fall, first guy I went to didn't even finish the sentence. He said yes. I, I, I like both of them. Uh, I, I, again. It's not a popularity contest, but something's got to change. This club is really good at being safe. It's really good at being safe. What, what are the Calgary Flames top five in, top ten in? What do the Calgary Flames do that nobody does better? Alumni, foundation, but now the things that matter, the things that sell tickets. Well, the building sucks. They haven't gotten a deal done. It's taken them forever. Now, two sides to make a story, and, and I, I can tell you, you know, we can talk about taxpayers and all that stuff. Uh, the, the deal that was on the table that got kiboshed by the city, in my, my understanding, it was the city that, that changed the parameters of the deal, it's going to end up costing millions more to, to start all over again. It just is. So, and, and we've been talking about a building for over a decade now. Um, it's just not, what, what I mean, you you know, again, I have so much admiration and appreciation for the guys that do game operations over there and, and, and the entertainment, but they're limited with what they can do. I mean, look at the toys that all the other new buildings have that you don't have here, projectors for the ice, that sort of thing. This organization's safe. It's always been safe. It does not have a high risk tolerance. I think that's something that needs to change. Somebody's got to lead this group. Who's leading this group? Ken King... God love him, God rest his soul, dear friend, fought with him all the time, would love to do a show where I could just tell stories about Ken and I. Um, he, in a situation like this, would be front and center. Brian Burke would be front and center. Who's front and center right now? Who are we looking to? Who's going to come out? John Bean going to come out? Okay. Hasn't yet. Okay. Are we going to hear from Murray Edwards? Nope. Owner doesn't talk. His prerogative, his team, his money, he can do what he wants, but he doesn't talk. So who's going to come out? Brad, I guess. But he doesn't have a contract. Is it a power struggle? I don't know if it's a power struggle. But I think you can make a very compelling case. Game 82 tonight. That a team that damn near set a record for overtime and shootout losses. A team that lost a record number of one goal games. Had pieces that it should have tried. And that's my opinion. It's not a fact, okay? I keep saying that, but I think it's important. And I will die on this hill. 
that Matt Phillips should have been given a legitimate shot. Matt Phillips, Calgarian, seventh-round pick, dominating the American Hockey League. Yes, he's knee-high to a grasshopper. So what? So is Johnny Gaudreau. So is Paul Byron. So, 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 so. Part of the job of the coach is to develop the players. Not to say I don't want them. Sorry, that's how I think. So what who who leads us who leads us out of the who leads this team out of the desert? Who's gonna do it? Who's the leader here? Who's gonna step up? And why should we believe it's going to be any different? If there is a new coach next year, if there is a new coach next year, that'll be Jim Playfair, Mike Keenan, Brent Sutter, Bob Hartley, Glenn Gullitson, Bill Peters. Um, I'm missing uh, Jeff Ward, Daryl Sutter, and the new guy. That will be nine coaches since the 0405 lockout. Nine. 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 And every one of them, every one of them, the fans, the media could make a legitimate case. Oh, they had to make that change. It wasn't their fault. They had to make that change. There's no consistency here. There is, there's too much around the edges. There's just too, just too much. I, I go back to the Jason Zucker possible trade to Calgary as reported by Mike Russo in The Athletic. They're in plain English. The deal did not get consummated because the owner could not be contacted. Who's in charge? Who gets to make the deals? Is there going to be a little more risk tolerance? Um... Gentleman gets all, I, I hope, if, the, if you're the guy that gets all fired up about Matt Kachuk whenever I bring up his name, twice, I think, in the last month, this is not for you. Turn off the podcast, listen to something else. It'll keep your blood pressure down. He might be, <laughs> Matt Kachuk, in a year in which Connor McDavid has dominated. Dominated. He's not, there's no, there's no runner-up to him. There isn't. He's, he is the guy. He's the MVP. Matt Kachuk might be the best of the rest this year. And he was drafted, developed, and here. But he didn't want to stay. And there's a million reasons why he didn't want to stay. And there's a million reasons Johnny Gaudreau didn't want to stay. But at some point, you got to start addressing these reasons. At some point, it can't always be somebody else's fault. At some point, it can't always be them, those guys, there. At some point... You look in the mirror and you go, what are we doing? Are we talking down to players or are we talking to players? Billy Jaffe said it. You have open revolt on this team. Again, not me. Elliot Friedman, Chris Johnston, Frank Saravelli. What was that? The list of the top three insiders in hockey? Sure, because I think you can throw Drager and then you got the four right now. And all of them. All of them, all of them have said, we like Daryl Sutter. He's a good human being, but the players and the coach are not on the same page. This team did not overachieve. This team underachieved. Why? How come? And why is it so consistent? Something in the water somewhere. Because you can change the coach... 
You can change the general manager. Hell, you can change the president. You can change all of those things. But if you're still a Midland team who drafts in the middle, who does everything in the middle and stays safe and doesn't take any chances, doesn't take any risks, this is what you're going to be. And nobody wants that. You want to win. There's a, hey, listen, one team wins out of 32. God love them. So tonight, game 82, um, I don't know what to expect. I, I suspect on some level it's a referendum. I guess I've gone through the last 10 minutes, and I, I've, I've said a whole lot. I don't have an answer. Like, I don't have the fire him, bring him in, do that thing. Having said that, somebody needs to lead here. Who's going to lead? And I think it needs to be external. Internally, there may be, sure. Externally, we're all sitting around here wondering who makes the decisions. I mean, I'm not wondering. It's Murray. Murray, Murray Edwards owns this team. He runs this team. He's a powerful man in the National Hockey League. He's done so much uh, to keep this team here when it should have gone somewhere else years ago. All of those sort of things. And it's, it's, this is not me saying, oh, he's got to go. No, you've got an owner. What you need now is a leader. Who's leading this organization? Who's making all of these decisions? And that's, I think, what we're all going to find out here in the next little while. And that very well could be John Bean. It very well could be Brad True Living. Maybe Daryl Sutter. But it can't continue. And... At some point, you've got to stop, take a deep breath, look in the mirror and going, are we where we want to be? I mean, I think there's challenges for running a team in Canada. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Um, and the reading assignment. I just think this is a really interesting time. Don't have the answers other than very curious to see who steps up and leads because somebody's going to have to lead out of this. Uh, don't want to diminish the fact that Matt Coronado and, and, and Dustin Wolf will make their NHL debuts tonight, uh, except that, um, you know, what it, I feel for them. Um, maybe they should have made them earlier. Uh, they're playing San Jose. This is a glorified preseason game. It's what it is. Okay. <clears throat> Having said all of that, I do want to do this because um, I want to keep it kind of positive. Talk to them. Don't talk down to them. That's what Billy Jaffe said. We were talking about coaching in the past. World's Women Hockey, World Women's Hockey Championships is going on right now. I said right from the out, outset that the team I'm watching is Team Chechia because it's being coached by Carla McLeod from the University of Calgary Dinos. Uh, courtesy of the IIHF, I want to take you inside their dressing room post-game yesterday when they beat the Swiss. And with... Those words from Billy Jaffe echoing in our ears, talk to them, not down to them. I want you to hear from Carla McLeod as she talked to her team after the game yesterday. It's good. It's good, eh? How are we feeling? What do you like about that one? Say it together. We won. That's usually our first answer. Hey, great game. We like winning, no? Yeah, yeah darn right. Give yourselves a, hand of, a round of applause. That's great. Hey, it's good. 
Most importantly, though, as we always talk about, what did we like about it? We played fast. Are we feeling it? Do you see it? It's an energy thing. It's so good. Our style of play is so strong, right? There wasn't a single game in this uh, round-robin play that we didn't compete to our fullest. And that's a great thing. So we got to make sure we keep building on that. Absolutely really good. What else? What about how? Yeah, they had to chase us. Remember we talked about that after the first game is can we set the pace in the game? Well, what did we learn today? We can. Darn right we can. Every single team we play, we can push the pace or we'll set the pace, right? And that's a huge thing when trying to win championships. There's no doubt about it. Okay, what else did we like today? So what did you say about the passes? I just missed the first one. Yes. How do you say it? How, how do you say it? <laughs> Try it one more time. There's, don't worry about the camera. I'll bring the microphone to you. Okay? Hard uh, passes. No, got to go deep. Hard. Hard. Hard passes. Okay. okay. The hard passes. Hard passes make a difference at this, at this point, right? Like now the puck's moving. Now our speed's moving. Everything's now connected and working together. And exactly what Trinky said, the hard passes open up shooting lanes. A soft pass, anyone can follow it. A hard pass, that's where the seams are. All of a sudden today, how was our net front? How was our backside? It's the difference makers. Those are key details that are helping us. Okay? This was a really great game. This was a real good team effort. Right? That matters. So now we've got to make sure we're, we're rested, we're healthy, and we're going back at it. We're going to have ourselves a wicked quarterfinal game. Okay? That's, that's the game we want. We talked about it earlier. That's the game we want. Let's go play it and take it to him. You got me? Yeah. Good job. There you go. UFC coach and the head coach of Chechi at the World Women's Hockey Championships are Carla McLeod. And uh, it had nothing to do with the other rant. The rant was about the Flames. That's a different conversation. But that's why I've been saying let's, let's pay attention here because Carla did an amazing job with that team in the fall. They won their first ever medal. Uh, a bronze medal. They're in a position now where they can try and repeat that, uh, but they're building that program. Um, if you've never had an opportunity to hear Carla speak, you should, because it's it's really, really inspirational, which is something we can probably, no, I, well, we can say it about our next guest too. Uh, guest brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com, 76 years in Calgary. Again, Spring skiing, getting out in the mountains, you need some warm gear, head on over to Ski Seller Snowboard right now and pick up some great deals. SkiSellerSnowboard.com. Indeed, a pleasure for us as we are live in the Oodle Noodles studio. Oodle Noodles, local love delicious since opening their first store back in 2005. Oodle Noodle has been all flavor and just the right amount of weird. Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. Pick up and delivery. Indeed, an honor for us uh, as a friend of ours, Marco Carducci, uh, joins us live in studio from Cavalry FC. How are you? I'm doing well, Rob. Thanks for having me. So am I wrong? Did you Were you able to hear a little bit of Carla there? I did hear it. Talk, yeah. talk to, don't talk down, right? I loved it. Um, I just came, sat down, put the headphones in, and I was like, that is brilliant. I was fired up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she got you going. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, okay, so fifth CPL season starts this Saturday for you guys, right? That's right, yeah. In Hamilton? Yeah. So, I mean, no Edmonton anymore, so does Hamilton now become the de facto number one rival? I think they kind of always have been yeah. in, in a different way. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, the local rivalry is important. 
Uh, and I genuinely hope that we see an Edmonton team kind of revive soon. Sure. Um, but Hamilton, since day one, have always been a team that, uh, rightly so, and, and in fairness to them, they I mean, they've been the, the cream of the crop. They've won three of four. Uh, but every time we play them, it's it's a fiery contest, and, and that's been organic, which is really cool. What's the weather like in Hamilton this weekend? Do you know? I should have checked. I don't you know. Don't, you, I when do you care about that? Well, we leave tomorrow, so I should pack my bags shortly. Um, <laughs> okay. But it's always windy there, regardless. Yeah. So uh, we'll have to see. But thankfully, at least when we're on the field, like I don't have to worry about that. The you know All the kit we get is brought there in terms of when we're, when we're there, it's, it's not... Uh, no, no shade here, but yeah, not not walking through Hamilton, going to see the sights. It's more of a, it's a business trip. Well, no, it's a bit for sure. It's a business trip, yeah. but for a guy that might be spending half of the game just standing around, um, nature of the game. Yeah. Uh, what's the best condition for you? What what would be perfect conditions for you to play in? You know what, middle of summer at Spruce Meadows at Cofield, that's the best. Time okay, for sure. Okay, <laughs> no, um, the wind plays a part, and. and being completely serious, mm-hmm. right? especially in a in a stadium like they have there uh, at the the Tiger Cats uh, Tim Hortons Field, there um, kind of cr- creates a bit of a wind tunnel, which is a nightmare for goalkeepers, and, and it does affect the game. But like you mentioned, that's a part of the sport, regardless, sure. right? There's times where um, you need to keep yourself active and sharp, and not only physically but mentally too, right? Yeah. But you could conceivably start the CPL season in snow and finish it in snow, conceivably. Yeah. Um, w- would you rather play it at 32 degrees in sun or would you rather play, you know, 10, 11 degrees, a little overcast? That's a good one. Uh, it's a tough question. We have, by the way, started the season in the snow and yeah. ended the season in snow. That's <laughs> yeah, so it's <laughs> not a... It's not a- Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Breach. It's almost a guarantee. Yeah, exactly. Like, um... I think the best is like a comfortable like 20 degrees, okay. you know, again, nice and calm. Um, 
You get a little bit of everything though, right? Playing that, that's one of the beautiful things about this game is that like you can play sure. in the pouring rain and that's a completely unique experience. When it's cold, I mean that sucks, but yeah, that's a different experience. Yeah. The heat plays a part too. So sure. the game adapts with the weather a little bit too. But um when I when I look back, I'm like again, those like midsummer games when it's not too hot and just like perfectly clear skies, yeah. it's, it's a nice one. What's the worst conditions you've ever played in? Oh, um, we played a game in 2019, uh, so our first season in the CPL, which I think at kickoff it was like minus 10. The field was frozen. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was October, which it was funny because we played for another couple of weeks and we had like the final, which was in early November, was much warmer. But yeah, that, that's, yeah, yeah. That's the climate here, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was so cold. It was just so, and that, and that is difficult, right? Because especially for me, you're standing, and I'm like, oh, I can't really feel my feet. That's going to suck when the action comes this way, or I can't feel my fingers. But that was one of them. There's been a couple where, like, rain and wind has been kind of blowing sideways. Uh, not ideal as well when you're trying to, like, watch a ball and say switch on with that. Well, you, because you spent some time in, in the uh, Whitecaps system, right. you must have seen some of that crazy West Coast stuff. Did, did you ever play with fog on the field? nothing too severe okay. but getting we certainly got used to the rain and that was unique for me as a as a kid because i was 14 when i left yeah uh, i was like wow you guys play out like it's <laughs> december and you're outside so like i was like this is weird <laughs> yeah but, the, but it's, it's rain right and yeah it, don't get me wrong it, it's a different type of cold i know everyone talks about that and it's true um but you get used to that a little bit there there weren't too many that the fog played a big part, but you got to get used to like catching a slippery ball and slippery surfaces and all that. It's again, it's a different beast. So when last we saw you was this past fall at the end of the season, it did not go the way that obviously anybody wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you thinking? What were you, were you, because you had a new deal, you were doing a new deal. Um, the world is your oyster, as they say. Well, what was going through your mind in the fall? There are a lot of things was maybe the, the easiest way to, to start it. Um, going once the season ended, going into the off season, um, I did have an option on my pre-existing contract, um, which I was confident the club was going to take, and they had already made it clear that they were going to. So yep. I had some some clarity around that. Uh, but pretty early on, we were talking about extending my time here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Calgary boy. I've been a part of this club since the beginning. It means a lot to me, and and uh, it's a special place. But yeah, you're you're at that point where this you know the season has freshly just ended. You know we were knocked out in the semifinals, which is tough. Yep. Um, and you're starting to reevaluate, and you're also trying to step away a bit. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a unique situation as a as an athlete where you're now saying, well, what what do I want? What is next for me? What is out there? Um, and what do I have here? Um, but really, um, pretty quickly the club made it very clear that they wanted me to stick around. Um. Again, I love this place, and yep. this is this is an important place for me to be, and I feel that very special connection, not only to the to the club, but the greater sure. community. Sure, uh, and that helped make it realistically. I mean, again, within a few weeks, we were talking, and then um, it was it was mostly smooth sailing. But safe to say, had you wanted to go elsewhere, and I'm not talking about within the CPL, I'm talking about Europe or MLS, those options were there. There were options for sure. Um, the biggest thing for me was um, what was best and what is best for mm-hmm. my career mm-hmm. at, at the point I'm at. And there's always the opportunity. Like I said, I, I could have taken the option and played out lot next year or this season now uh, and then kind of reevaluate at the end of the year, but would have essentially been a free agent, which obviously opens up opportunities. Right. Um, 
But my biggest thing was, you know, I'm now 26 years old. I'll be 27 at the end of the season. In the world of goalkeepers, it's still pretty young. Um, but I'm also now getting a bit more experience. I've, I've getting yep. close to 100 games with with Cavalry, which yep. which I'm excited to hopefully hit soon. Um, but playing and getting those minutes and getting that experience, especially as a goalkeeper, especially in this position, is so crucial. And I knew, you know, you can never predict the future, but mm-hmm. the risk of going elsewhere or trying to go elsewhere um, can be very exciting, even when there are opportunities. Uh, but you don't know how that'll play out. And I felt like what I needed right now and what I continue to need going forward is to play and develop and, and be week in, week out, which has done you know wonders for me yeah. over the last few yeah. years. Yeah. I went through the struggle, as a lot of players do, especially goalkeepers, again, in my late teens and early 20s, barely playing. Yeah. And that's a tough place to be because the world passes you by, you quickly get forgotten, your confidence is, you know, comes and goes. Um, really, really difficult. So to be able to continue to play and develop and be in a place, i.e. here in Calgary with Cavalry, um, I knew I could continue to establish myself as a pro and then, you know, we'll see where that takes me. Marco, you say just something I want to dig down a little on because you were a highly recruited young player. You were, you know, a uh, um, twice, I think you were the under under seventeen player of the year, That's right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, so then you go, but and you sit, and yeah. and we all know physiology and on all of that. That's your prime development, yeah. right? Um, had if you could do it over again, would you change it? Would you have maybe played at a lower level just to to play? One hundred percent. So as the the brief context, as you mentioned, I, I was playing at the youth level. Um, this kind of backs right off of us going to the under 17 world cup. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, hype around that for all of us players. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I get brought up into the first team system at, at the white caps. So I get my first pro contract, which was amazing. Um, and yeah, then just struggle to find playing time, yeah. which is normal. Yeah, I, w- sure I it was, is. Yeah, I was yeah, certainly yeah. nowhere close to being ready yeah, yeah. to playing at the MLS level. Right. No chance. So yeah. I, I'm not saying I was, um, not having that regular game time was tough. And, and I take some responsibility there. Absolutely. Um, I would say, I think, I think it was managed. It wasn't managed as well as it could have been mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from 17, 18, 19, when you're so young and you just, you need to be playing, you need to be playing yeah. at the lower level, at your same age group, whatever it is, you need to be playing. Uh, and that was tough for me. And it was tough for a lot of other players too. Right. And, and, and still is an issue, sure. by the way. Um, Cause I, you could have gone to the MLS and backed up. Right this year, found a place, a home, someplace. I think I think the, the opportunity was there. But sure, that, but to back up, yeah, exactly. Right, and that's the thing. Um, you know, again, by no means was there just a contract waiting. No, 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 no. But it, but it, it's a reasonable expectation that yeah. you and your agent could have had. Exactly, yeah. and that was something again that I that I weighed the the um, you know kind of the scales with. I was like, well, do I go somewhere? And whether that's MLS or overseas, sure. At where I'm at right now, at my age, kind of in this progression, I've been and except sitting on the bench. Right. And I said, hell no. Why would I do that right now? I'm tw- Again, as a goalkeeper, I hope to have 10 plus years yeah. ahead of me yeah. to play. Yeah. And those are my best years, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in my mind, I was like, you know, having kind of experienced that. And it is a tough place to be, like I said, to not be playing. Uh, at, you know, at some point that might be okay. You might say, you know what? I will be the steady good dude in the locker room who's number mm-hmm. two, number three, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we all need, you need that. You need that in a locker room. You need that in the culture. Um, but I'm not ready for it. I want to be the guy playing on the field 90 minutes every single game and and 
continuing to, to grow and develop. And uh, again, that's where I'm at. So we'll see maybe that my career takes me to that stage at one point, but for the time being um, games are still exactly what I need. And I want to continue to, to develop. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. And, and God bless the CPL cause it's, it's done that right. Like, you know, uh, our outstanding producer, Gavin just reminded me, you know, you're the first ever, you know, MVP player of the year out of, of the CPL. That was kind of, you know, you got shot out of a cannon. You just got to play, right? Yeah. I went from 2017 leaving or end of 2016, leaving the Vancouver Whitecaps, not really knowing, bouncing around. I found a club down in Texas. Difficult experience for me, but but a great learning experience. Coming back up, playing in the PDL, kind of a lead, yep. a lead into the CPL. Yep. To 2019 being, yeah, those, those things, getting my, getting a call up to the men's national team. Which, again, first player out of the league, too. Yeah. Somebody had to yeah. do it. Yeah. Right. And, uh that's exactly what this league was made for. Yeah. I was very fortunate. I know plenty of guys who at you know, late teen, 18, 19, even in early 20s, who have no opportunity anywhere and have to go overseas, have to go right. try to break it in, which you get the one or two guys who can do it. Alfonso Davies comes to mind, right? Mm-hmm. Goes overseas, breaks into the MLS and gets a move to Bayern Munich and now is playing Champions League every week. He's, he's, he's an anomaly in this case, right? Yeah. He's a special player. Yeah. Um, the CPL filled that gap. Um, and there's still a lot of work to be done, but I look across the league and see lots of guys who I grew up playing with um, who otherwise may not have had these opportunities, and again, myself included, where mm-hmm. it's given me that platform to have that time to play and develop. Because again, I'll say it a million times, but playing is everything. Sure it is. Uh, whether you're me at 26 or I even look at guys on our team in the last couple of years, we have a Victor Latore and Arabin Peppel who both teenagers or, or uh, maybe just you know 20, I think Vic was, who got moved to Europe. Because we're playing week in, week out at this level and showing mm-hmm. their talent and developing and playing at this at, at a high professional level to then push their career on. Yeah. That pathway exists everywhere else. We're catching up and we're starting to see the the fruits of that within within a couple of years. Yeah. I, I just wish I could have you talk to parents at at evaluation time because and we yeah. you and I had this conversation <laughs> off the air that I wish parents understood that while it's great for little Johnny or little Mary to play on the top team and sit and watch, they could be playing on the B team and playing all the time. And it's far more beneficial to play all the time. 100%. Uh, Again, I think whether that's at the, at the youngest earliest stages to being at elite levels and, and, and pushing to get your opportunity to play. And again, you see it so many places where, Loans is a big thing in, in yep. the world of soccer, right? Yep. Where young players get loaned out, they go play at lower levels. That same process applies to the community teams here. Sure, they do. Play. Absolutely. Play. And, and really, and again, we have talked about this and, and it goes further. Then you enjoy it. And then yes. you really have the opportunity. Yes. Then you really have the opportunity to, not everyone's going to become a professional. Not everyone's going to go to the next level. People might fall out of love, whatever it is, but you're playing and you're enjoying it. And then you have that opportunity to, Wherever it takes you, whether you do push mm-hmm. on or you stay at a more recreational level, yep. the game is about, it's just a game. It's about having fun. That's right. right? And, and they'll find you. Exactly. And they will always find you. Absolutely. They will always find you. Um, you are celebrating, well, celebrating might be the wrong word, but 14 months ago, your life changed, did it not? Yeah. Celebrating. Yeah, it might not No, be. it's not, it's not, <laughs> cel- not celebrating. Well, I guess in a way. I, I think celebrating is an okay word okay, for it. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it's crazy to think that it's now been yeah, over over a year. Um, in February of last year, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. It 
happened very quickly. It was treated very quickly. So that whole experience, uh, which I've spoken about a lot, but I'm always Mm -hmm. open to speaking about more, came and went. Uh, And it's a bit surreal to reflect back on on the year plus that it's been. Um, But I'm grateful for it, really. Grateful for the experience. Obviously, I would have loved to have had that learning uh, experience brought to me in a different way. Sure. Um, But I think I've come out of it um, with a different perspective on so many things, and that's what I'm grateful for. Tell me a little bit about that perspective, because is it safe to say that your initial reaction was probably similar to many, you know, many guys who would just say, oh, you know, I don't have the time to, for this, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm. I, when I look back, and I'll tell this story quickly because uh, you got time. I, yeah, we're not I going was, anywhere. Good. I was. I was lucky. Um, I like to think, one way or another, you know, our family doctor, Doctor Retzer, shout out, um, taught me early, you know, like check down there, be aware. Mm-hmm. So I kind of always knew mm-hmm. as a young man, as a, as a as a young, um, you know, even into my teen years and everything like that, as I as I was growing up be aware you have to self-check so it's something i did and um you know as as soon as i started to notice the symptoms um first reaction was exactly that oh weird strange nothing though yeah and you know reflecting back on so we're talking that off season between the 2021 2022 season so before last season started i was also at a point where there was some talk it was a team interested was something happening was i going to go for so a lot is going on in the background yeah and I'm thinking, well, if if this is something or if I'm noticing this, but there's an opportunity to go train or play or, or preseason's coming up, I got to be ready. I 100% would have said, yeah, we'll deal with it later. One reason or another, things kind of fell through and gratefully, um, you know, had the opportunity as, as we do, we very quick access to our team doctor, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Robinson, who I, I got to see super quickly. Um, and we handled that. But to circle back to your question, um, we're young men in this locker room. We're, we're young athletes. You exist in a hyper-competitive world. Mm-hmm. Um, masculinity is a very touchy subject where you don't want to show even a hint yep. of, of vulnerability or that you're weak because that, in, in elite-level sport, can, can, can hurt you. Right. Um, that stigma exists, right? right. It absolutely exists. That, you know, God forbid you go into training one day and say, I'm not feeling too great here you just be like well you either get on with it or yep or don't and um i know that when this had happened uh it would have been easy for myself and for a lot of other guys to say it's not going to worry about it it's nothing because i don't want to miss training i don't want to miss yep. and and again you put so much faith and trust in your body it's everything for your career but the last thing you're going to do is start questioning it mm-hmm. um and that obviously can have <laughs> some serious consequences but um, that's been the biggest shift, uh, perspective wise is to be like that vulnerability, that, that awareness to say, you know right. what, I might not be all right. And this is, again, it extends beyond physical. It includes mental as well, emotional, everything in between. Um, that's been something that that's why the message is important for me. I, and I'm going to pause the story here because, and we'll continue on, but this part's important because when I heard your testimony and for the first time, when I heard you speak in front of a group, it was a Thursday breakfast. Later that night, uh, Miami was playing uh, Thursday night football and Tua went out and suffered the second concussion in four days. And what you had said just 
10 hours earlier now just went right up my spine. Um, cause all that guy was doing was what he thought he was supposed to be doing. And we teach and we have in the past taught, especially young boys that rub some dirt on it, keep playing through, uh, you know, if you go, we'll get another quarterback. You're disposable. If you go, we can play another keeper. Yeah. Except that nobody really ever actually says that. We just have an environment that creates that illusion in our mind, right? That is that something we need to address in youth sports is is somehow because I know well as soon as you give somebody an excuse and they won't work hard, that's that's not this. Yeah. You you have to listen to your body, don't you? For sure. Um, I remember us talking about that too. I remember yep. that moment because it was it was eerie in terms of the timing you're 100 percent right rob it it's not it's maybe sometimes it is but it's not you know it's not out there but it's it's a it's an unwritten rule right where you're right. like ah, i'll shake that one off yeah or no i'm fine and again i, I think it shows up mostly you know, now we're, we're lucky as athletes we you have access to a, a therapist and, yeah. a, and a and a, a physio and a at and a doctor so we have those resources there um, but again, even just saying this feels a bit off or I've had a rough couple of weeks at home or whatever it is. And, and you say, you know, I might need mm-hmm. a bit of time or a bit of space or a bit of support. The stigma exists 100%. Because like you said, that might not be, you know, the coach might not say, okay, well, you're sitting for that because I don't want you on the field when, if I can't trust you. Yeah. But it's there. It's there in our minds. And it 100% needs to start earlier. Because, again, I know yep. I was very fortunate with the way things played out for me, um, with the support network I had around me yep. to give me that, that again, that, that, that comfort and that care when I needed it most. Um, it would have been really, really easy and definitely the default to, even for me, noticing something that ended up being testicular cancer right. and say, well, I don't want to risk my preseason because this is an important part for me to start training and get yep. up to speed. Yeah. I missed all of preseason. Yeah. Right. So it, yep. did, it certainly did. I missed the first three games of the year. Um, that can really quickly turn into us just brushing it under the rug and saying, well, I'll deal with this later. I'll deal with this later. Um, it has to start earlier because we see it at the, at the youngest stages now and that's pervasive. It stays, it stays, it stays. And then we get to, you know, like yep. my level now, it exists 100%. Now, I, I want to make sure everybody understands this isn't us two sitting here pointing our fingers at sport because your team from top to bottom yep. had your back on this. Like it was, the, it's the men, we're now talking about the mental conversation, not necessarily the reality of the situation, right? Because when you did have to let everybody know they were there for you, it was, one of the most emotional experiences that that whole thing had was, was talking to my teammates for the first time. Um, we kept it relatively in house at the start, mm-hmm. uh, but instantly, you know, that, that stayed with, with Tommy, our yep. head coach and, and our medical team. I was, my phone was going, I was sitting in the emergency room getting calls and messages and everyone was checking in. And, and even that alone was like, you, you know, <laughs> the human element comes out sure. really quickly where it's not, no one cares anymore about oh, you're missing training tomorrow. What's going on. It's now, we knew and once I told my teammates and once it kind of went out to the, the community wider within the club, at least it wasn't, it wasn't public yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, just everybody, I think had that switch moment, right. Where we right. were like, Oh, this goes way beyond anything about where was not a training what's going on. It right. was now it's, it's a group of brothers in there for us. Yeah. Right. And, and the connections we have and the relationships we have 
that's bigger than anything. And yeah, to this day, it does make me a little bit emotional to think about what that felt like to know everyone had my back. And I know it helped me. Absolutely. So I, I just, again, I can't say this enough. We're talking about stigma versus the reality of this situation. And, and, and the stigma is what we, we need to figure out because the reality is there. You ha- they had your back and still do. Hell, the league had your back, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that was one of the amazing parts of this journey too, right? Once we went, once, once I decided to go public with it, um, and again, the amount of support I had to even do that and know that that, that was the best thing for me to do, um, the outpouring of love and support and, you know, these like grassroots, like where there were f- people talking about how to support uh, organizations that I knew, it, it mm-hmm. was incredible. Um, and that kind of showed that that wider community of what, what sport can do. And in this case, obviously, in the soccer world here, um, it was it was just uh, beyond what I imagined. I thought people would go, oh, geez, sorry, and you know, give me a pat on the back and say, well, we're glad you're healthy. But it went way, way, way beyond that. I mean, I had posters given to me after games from you know the the team that was cheering against me the whole game, and then afterwards we're talking again, people to people, and it was uh, it was a pretty special thing to see. Yeah, yeah. just <clears throat> throwing one of those posters up now. Um, I, again, I, let's unpause where we stopped. Um, it'd be irresponsible of me to continue this uh, conversation without asking you probably the, about the most important person in this whole drama outside of yourself. Um, and you pick them good. Uh, tell me about your better half in this situation. Yeah. Uh, Haley, she, she was the only person who knew. So she's my, she's my partner. And, yeah. and uh, during this process, again, rewind a year. I'm not, no, I'm not bringing this up at family lunch, right? Like, how are things? Well, <laughs> You got a few minutes for me to tell you about my, <laughs> yeah. my most recent discovery. She was the only one who knew. Um, and, and, and we spoke about it and she said, okay, well, okay. she just supported me in the, in the, in the way she knew, she knew how, um, she, I, I remember, uh, she texted me after training the day that I got the news and ended up, you know, detouring to the hospital saying, where are you? You should be home by now. Usually, you know, I'm a good texter. I'm like, yeah, I'll be a bit late or whatever. And she's going, are you alive? Uh, alive and well, and I'm like, well, I'm alive, but she knew, she knew, she knew, she, she knew, right? Away. Yeah. Um, you know, to this day, it's hard for me to actually put into words what her support meant. Um, it's really tough. No one talks about the the person on the other on the other side of it. Everyone's asking me, "How are you? How are you?" And yeah. especially immediately after it happened, um, no one really thinks about the emotional toll it took on mm-hmm. her who was there with me the whole way through and you know her you've met her and and and, uh you've seen the ways in which she she's just been incredible oh right and and without her i i you know if this had happened and and she wasn't in my life i would really and this isn't hyperbole i I just i don't know how i would have been able to come back from that because she 100 was a rock and and i'm still trying to find my way to to support her because it's still a journey for her this is still a reality for us i'm still getting my follow-ups and checkups and you know even a year out you're still like well that that happened um for the both of us by the way not just for me so um there aren't enough words for me to 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 express my gratitude to her that is ongoing right that she continues to give me that because it's still there still are ups and downs right? yeah every single time i get in the car to go for for some routine blood work now she knows that my cortisol is just through the roof because that feeling it, it it's hard to uh hard to shake that so quickly right and um yeah no she 
she did something for me that I, I'm not sure I could ever repay her for. It's interesting because we had uh, Kelsey Snow on a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, we talked to her, to her and, and of course she's doing the same thing with, with Chris, right? As he goes through, she's the rock for Chris in that case. Um, but I was talking to her about the decision to, to, to go public. What about your decision to go public, to, to share? This is not a, a comfortable conversation for men to have, right? You know, dislocate my elbow? Sure, let me right. show you my scar. Um, was, was this difficult for you to wrap your head around about coming out and being public with this? Yes, uh, in the sense that it always is, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as I was able to kind of wrap my head around the power and the impact I could have by sharing a story, it 100% was a no-brainer. Um, it, it's certainly more common than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, even after I went public, I was many, many men who were relatively close to me within my community network came out and said, oh, this happened to me too. Yep. Or I, my brother or my dad or very, 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 very uh, closer than I would have, than I would have thought. Um, but it was difficult because like you said, it's not, you know, I remember sitting there thinking, well, we could just tell the guys that I had to get a groin surgery because you know, there's, there's, <laughs> sure. there's similar incision points on the guys. We, we see, we sure. see it in the locker room. And I said, what good will that do if they think, oh, you had a hernia or something? Right. And you need right. to, oh, look, we have, we have matching scars now. But talking about testicular cancer and um, obviously cancer is, is a scary word, um, but for it to be a testicular, it's also a very private area and and I've had to get comfortable with that. And and it is, I think you you talk about it's, it's a part of our health. It's a part of our bodies. And, um, just knowing that, you know, what happened to happen to me, but it could have been anybody, it could be anybody. And you know, the age range and and who it affects really is my, it includes my colleagues. It's all my teammates. It's all the guys I play against. It's, it's young men. Mm -hmm. It affects young men. Right. And I look around the league and I look around my locker room. It could have been anybody else. It could still be, and me just holding it in and keeping it would do no value to those guys. So um, getting around the, the discomfort of talking about my private parts and what I've gone through, um, you know, that was far outweighed by right. the potential impact I knew it could have just by, by advocating for and spreading that awareness. So even prior to a year ago, I've been fortunate to, to work with you with kids sport. I've heard you speak before you, you've always been this, you know, this really gregarious articulate athlete that, that, you know, is standing up for the good things, standing up for a city and all of those. So I, I don't want to suggest that you started from, from zero, but what has getting up and telling your testimony and telling your story, how has that impacted you? How has that changed you? In a lot of ways. Yeah. That's uh you know, the first place I would start is, is, is again, a perspective shift on kind of what, what really matters mm-hmm. for me. And when I look at it in the frame of, of sport and soccer in my career, I remember my first game back, which was our home opener last season. And I went out there and I was still a little bit nervous. We hadn't won it. We only picked up a draw in our first three games. So there was a bit of pressure. Yep. Um, you always want to go out there and win. There's always a bit of nerves. I was walking out onto the field saying, I get to play this game that I was playing since I was walking. I get paid for it and I'm doing it in front of family and friends in my community. And it's a game. Yep. It's 90 minutes to play soccer. So I, a, a sport I love. Yep. That alone kind of gave me a different freedom that I think has elevated my game. 
And that same kind of idea of just being like, just enjoying it, right? Because if you had asked me 14 months ago before this all went down, I would have told you I was invincible. I'm like, yeah, Rob, as long as I don't get hit by the bus crossing the street later, I'm fine. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm fit, I'm strong, I'm doing mm-hmm. all these things. Yeah. Um, the shift of perspective in terms of being like, you know, what impact can we have around the people uh, closest to us and beyond that into the community? How can we make the most out of everything? And, it, you know, some of these are buzzwords and cliche, but it's so true, right? Again, the way I approached getting back out in the field and I do every single day, I got to go play a game I love. And, and and so few of us get to actually get to this level yeah. of play. Yeah. That alone was like, never take that for granted again. Uh, and that, that that's kind of just bled into other parts of my life where I'm like, it's every single moment, everything we can do. I'm, I'm grateful to to be in my community and be able to have some small impact in a few things. So I'm like, make the most of that because, uh, you know, when, when I'm sitting there faced with this diagnosis, I, I, don't, I had no idea what, Mm-hmm. the next day was going to look like never mind my next season or the rest of my life. Right. Uh, and I, again, that's what I'm most grateful for. Marco, you, you, you've used the word community a number of times and I'm not a genius, but when somebody offers it up on their own, it must be important to them. <laughs> you are well, a genius. <laughs> no, I'm not a genius. Um, why, why is, why is community so important to you? Where did that come from or where did that get instilled in you? I think it started with, and, and, and it's still kind of the home base, is my family. Um, family is very important to me. Families are uh, can be complicated and different and, and unique for everybody. So I know, you know, everyone's experience can be very different, but I grew up in a very tight-knit family mm-hmm. um, with, and that extended to my, my cousins and my aunts and uncles and, and you know, my, my nonas who raised me and all sure. that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was my first community. Um, and then sport really. So, and it was primarily soccer for me. Um, now dad was a goalie too. Dad was a goalkeeper too. Okay. Yeah. And okay. he, and he nudged me, let's say into the position. Okay. I, apparently I loved it. Okay. No, no, what? sure. But you know, I start playing sport. I, yeah. I started playing soccer and we're talking Timbits, kicking the ball around yeah. when you're four years old and that's community too. And then it started there. And that was the first, you know, those, those experiences of, of having that network of people around you, um, and then how that extends further, you know, I was born into that and I was playing in that and, and experiencing that from again, three or four years old when mm-hmm. I first started playing. Mm-hmm. So community has always been there for me. I maybe couldn't have actually, uh, like verbalized that or, or really explained that, but I was, I was getting those lessons and yeah. those experiences. And, um, as I grew, as I was getting older and, and my, my, when we talk about soccer, as, as I was progressing through my career, I saw exactly how much community meant, how important it was um, as I kind of progressed through my levels and, mm-hmm. and eventually you know, went out of town to continue to play and then had my community here and had the greater community. It, it, it's never a one-person job. And I, and I learned that very quickly. And again, whether that was at home with my friends and my family or with what I was trying to do professionally in my career, I knew right away that that value and that impact had done so much for me uh, and the power of community could extend into, you know, you name it. Right. Right. Holy cow. I don't recognize that kid. Uh, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, which, to that end, uh, that is not a, uh, cavalry FC no, hoodie. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I am correct in that, that is your 
community team growing that's, up? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I played with a couple of clubs growing up, but uh, eventually landed with Calgary Villains. Um, Which I love. I love that name. By yeah. I just love that name. I know you do. Yeah. 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 So I ended up playing for, for the Villains from when I was about 10 years old, maybe even nine, to when I went and took off for Vancouver to, to go uh, continue my career out there with the Whitecaps and with the Academy. So for five very, very important years of my you know, youth kind of development. And that, that's when soccer became a passion. more serious sure. a passion. Yeah, and, I yeah, knew yeah. There were, and I wanted to pursue it. And I knew that there was an opportunity and I was training regularly mm. and, and I was playing with team. and we were very competitive. Um, you know, if you talk about community, this, this club has been a, was a major source of community for me when I was, uh, you know, 10 to, f- to 14 years old. And now I've been fortunate enough to have kind of done the full circle and, and been able to, to support the club uh, on the other end of things. Well, so. tell me about that. So you're now in the position where you're, you're giving back? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, and I'm very grateful. I mean, I look around the club and a lot of the same faces are there when, from when I was a kid. And, um, you know, they approached me and it was great timing because I was actually thinking about approaching them. And um, there was an opportunity to, to support, um, you know, communities and, and youth soccer clubs here it's it's a lot of grassroots stuff and it's sure. a lot of hard work from very few people who oftentimes are not getting paid anything at all to be to be committing all their time and, and energy into doing things and um you know uh, the people at villains you know, gave me the opportunity to come back and support with community uh community relations and some sponsorship stuff the club's growing so they needed a, a little bit of support in terms of um or the business side, which is really cool for me to explore another passion of mine, just beyond saying, "Hey, Marco, do you want to come coach? Mm-hmm. You're cool. You're the you're the number one for Cavalry FC." Just they kind of knew that they could help me in that path as well, um, which again I'm really grateful for because it's been an amazing experience so far. So that really is community building, right? Exactly. Which is what. So tell us a little bit about the work you're you're undertaking. So there, there's been a lot of exciting progress within the club, and even when I came back, you know. Um, Youth sports in, in in Calgary and soccer in particular um, has continued to go crazy on, on its uh, in its trajectory forward and in terms of the growth and everything. So within Villains, um, just continuing to like bridge those gaps with the communities, uh, the community around us, and and the different partnerships and sponsorships we can look at to support youth soccer mm-hmm. uh, has kind of been my my key role. But as the club is also growing, we're now entering an, uh, an exciting stage where. We want to build a indoor domed field house type facility. The demand is is crazy right now yep. uh, to have more of those facilities in the in the yep. city and in Canada in general. Um, and that's been another really fun part of uh, of kind of my role there is just tying all those things together within the community, getting getting the the external stakeholders and and everyone involved to work together to push this thing forward and ultimately provide what will be an amazing facility and an amazing opportunity for more young players. Uh, and that extends outside of soccer as right, well, right. Uh, to have the facilities we need because, uh, for the last six, seven months I've been training in do- indoors too. Right. And we, and we need, we need more of those spaces. So that's been a really fun, uh, fun journey so far. So my experience with building buildings is, Hey, we need buildings. Yes, we need buildings. Absolutely. We all need build. We all agree buildings. All right, let's go yeah. build one. What? Huh? Who me? No, no, I'm not me. Yeah. Uh, how is the process going? How, what are you learning about the building a building? You you painted it pretty clearly. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> it is hard, isn't um, it? 
everyone loves the idea. Uh, sure. And if it were as easy as snapping your fingers and Absolutely. having 10 field houses, I mean, I know we're, uh, as a city, trying to build a field house as well. And oh, yeah. That, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, it's diffi- if it's difficult at that level, it's difficult at every level. Um, so, yeah, I think it is so easy to, to, to make the pitch to say, we need this. And mm-hmm. Of course we need it. Yeah, 100%. We absolutely need it. Um, you use this word a lot, which I really love is, is you need, you need a hero, you need someone, you need something, you need a group of people yep. to actually do that work, to, to put your head down and, and, and get it over the line. And, um, we have had a ton of support and I, I won't kill you with the details, but we've had a ton of internal support. We've had a ton of external support, um, to make this happen and to continue to continue to push it forward. But it's, it's not easy. It's not an easy task. And I've learned that it takes a ton of a collaboration it takes a lot of time and energy from from people who again are doing this out of for whatever reason right some passion, well they're some, they're doing it for the right reasons absolutely right yeah but as you're probably learning my reasons might be slightly different than your reasons exactly right yeah how exhausting is it being a hero yeah uh pretty tiring sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and and listen i you know, I, I owe a lot of uh, gratitude to the handful of people, and I'll, and I'll, I'll name them. Please, uh, yeah. You know, Calvin Campbell and, at Calgary Villains, who's basically does everything for the club, um, but is officially the, the GM. Um, Jeff, who is supporting on the side with, with uh, the board, and, and it goes beyond. There, there's a lot of us who, who have been uh, pushing this thing forward from, from internally, but, you know, mm-hmm. I've been able to have conversations with our friends at parks foundation calgary at sport calgary um you know a variety of stakeholders within the community that can help push this thing forward and and continue to to support us as we go Mm -hmm. um so it's not just one hero by 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 any means but it's about gathering all those forces and getting everyone getting everybody on the same page and finding what that target is and, and going towards it and and you know that there will always be speed bumps. There will always be obstacles along the way. Um, but I've learned that uh, it certainly takes a village to move that forward. Well, and, or I would say that I always thought, you know, talk is cheap is a, a great movie line. Like, it's you know, gangsters, cowboys say that. No, when you're building, build, talk is cheap, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you know, it's about getting stuff done and rolling up your sleeves. I, I credit you, sir. I credit you and. You know, this is lots of athletes in your position when they retire do this, but to, while you're in the prime to undertake this, I think is really amazing. So, um, how can people learn more? How people can get more information? So we're still pretty pretty early on in the stages of of, uh, of kind of when we need the the public and getting getting more okay. people involved. That being said, um, you know, if you go on on our website at uh, Calgary Villains FC. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of resources there that kind of show where we're at and our our, our bigger vision. People can get in touch with me, yep. even just uh, social media is probably the easiest way. I'm I'm active enough on Instagram and whatnot. I think so. Um, that that you know we can continue to spread the word because right now we're we're trying to get a few more pieces aligned and okay. then and then I think uh, we're 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 getting to the point where we want to push this out and, and really build that buzz. But uh, those are probably the best ways. So. Outside of beating cancer and building a new soccer facility indoors, what else is going on? Um, year five of, of the Cavalry kicks off this weekend. Uh, he's He won't be listening. He'll be preparing, so don't worry about this. 
what's Tommy like year five versus year one? Because you had him in the PDL too, right? So you've yeah. had him longer than yeah. that, but is you know is he evolving? That's a that's a wonderful question. <laughs> what's funny is we talk again about community. I've also Tommy's. I'll put it this way: Tommy's known me since I was that nine, ten year old yeah, kid. That's true. You know, yeah. playing, yeah, yeah. and we used to play against each other a lot when when he was coaching and. uh so we, we go way back. So there's definitely been an evolution as there's been with me. I think, um, everybody has, has had to have learned over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think as a staff starting from Tommy, we've all evolved and developed as, as the competition certainly has, has gotten better and better within the league. Um, but things change, right. And, and you have to continue to adapt and, and push forward. And, um, I think you'd be the first to say like, you know, we've had a lot of success, uh, but we haven't gotten to where we where we need to, and I know they've addressed that as a coaching staff, starting with with Tommy, and um, that also applies to us players. I mean, I'm one of the one of the few originals remaining, um, but to see the growth from the entire club, yeah, and where we started to where we are now, and and like again in five short years, including two and a half years that were. Yeah, really COVID. Yeah, exactly. Like we don't yeah. want to harp on that too much, yeah, but, yeah. but that was a big that thing. That was a reality. To be where we are now yeah, yeah. is incredible. But uh, I know Tommy is constantly trying to learn and one-up you know, his opponents and figure that out and get that message to us. And I think that's what's made us a strong team. Um, No, I mean, this is going back a couple of years, but Nick's moved on. Like, There's been a lot of staples of this team that were there at the beginning have moved on. You mentioned you're kind of like the elder statesman in a way. <laughs> How do you view this year's club? What, what's it going to look like? How is it going to play? Well, we've been able to keep a pretty decent core from last season, okay. uh, which, is, which is great for, for mm-hmm. that continuity. Um, but we have added some very, very exciting pieces, I think. Um, I, you know, last year we, we went on a hot streak, but I think we knew it was tough for us to find a lot of goals yeah. consistently yeah. at, at yeah. points. Um, now I look at some of the players that we've brought in, uh, to top up the quality we already have. Uh, and we're like two or three guys deep in every position, especially on that top half of the field, which which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not my job, right? I'm always thinking about just keeping it out of our net, yep. right? But yep. I'm like, damn, the fans are going to love these guys because there's just hunger and excitement and a lot of really good yeah, but if they if you've got a two goal lead to deal with or to to work with you you know you can carry that home right like that's yeah. that that's got to be a nice feeling if if it's not going to be like chopping wood to get a goal well exactly uh and i think we've always been solid I, I think as i reflect on last year um certainly a lot of good moments but we actually also had a few games where we were leakier than i would have liked mm-hmm. uh that any one of us would have liked but we're like you know, typically one of the big things of our culture as a, as a team and as an organization is that we are a tough, tough team to play. And that especially applies in terms of how we defend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of pride in that. So I know that that's, that's going to be a given. That's going to be something that everyone will always know you'll get from a cavalry team. Um, but I'm excited to see, again, those, those new faces. We've had a long preseason, um, a successful preseason. Um, and I think now those, those gears are starting to click together and it'll be exciting. So what are the, for you now, year five with this club, what are the goals that you set for yourself? How, how would you define success, you know, for you this year? I, I always, I always say this. Um, so I'm, I'm giving you the little caveat. I, I, but I truly believe it. I just want to be the best that I can be for this team. Okay. 
And I know Nothing that's wrong with I know, that. Yeah, and look, I, I've I added to my Golden Glove tally last year with with uh, my second. Yeah, I absolutely want to win another one of those. Yeah, uh, I want this team to be successful. I, I want to be successful individually. Um, you know, but for me, if I had to to to, to put something on, it's just about being consistent, reliable, and solid for this team. Mm-hmm. And I know if I can do that, uh, we'll do great things collectively. Ultimately, you know, we still haven't filled our trophy cabinet with with that uh, final piece of silverware we're chasing, which is to be CPL champions. And that is 100% the end goal. Um, but it's a long year. And I think, again, that same kind of feeling applies for me where it's like, I want to be the best and I, yeah. I want to prove that week in, week out. Starts on Saturday. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, the rest of the league, we mentioned no Edmonton this year. Hopefully that's short term, but makes the league a little bit better. I believe there's a little bit of expansion. What... What do you see in year five? How how has the league grown in in the first four? Well, with Edmonton dropping out, Vancouver's now come in. Yeah. Uh, so that's a completely new franchise, a new team with a lot of players kind of coming from throughout the league, but also from elsewhere. So definitely a uh, a little bit of a toss up there. So you don't really know what to expect, mm-hmm. um, which I think is exciting for for fans of the league. Absolutely. Um, but again, and I've said this earlier, everybody's getting better. Um, the quality that's getting brought into this league. And then you look at the guys who have now been in the league, myself included, for a few seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, that experience of playing in this league with the complexities and the travel and all the things, yes. um, that makes everybody better when you have that experience. So, you know, I look across the league this year and um, I think I would say it's every single year has stepped forward. The parity is there. Um, anybody on any day can go in and, and win anywhere. Um so I think it's going to be uh, exciting. You know, I think I think the first couple of years there were, you know, ourselves included, we're mm-hmm. kind of ahead of the pack. And everyone's catching up. Everyone's trying to get there. Um, and I think last year showed that too. You know, a lot of a lot of competition in a very, very tight uh, league table over the whole course of the season. Right. So um, things are improving, I think, everywhere on and off the pitch, which is fantastic. Um, and that'll, I think, end up in being just, really great games all season long. So as a Canadian football player, we should at least once use the term correctly. Nice one. That, no, thank you. <laughs> um, and I want to be careful how I craft this because you are a player. You are not the league. You are not the teams or any of that. Um, what? How do you feel about the game overall in our country right now and where it sits? I think we're at a very, very interesting point. Mm. Um, we don't need to get into the, the nitty-gritty of... of Kind of what's I want to, but it's yeah. not with you. I'll, I'll the right person needs right. to sit here and oh. answer the questions. You're not it. Sorry. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> don't, don't say sorry. I, thank you. Um, no, there, there's obviously a lot going on. Yeah, but the growth first and foremost has been tremendous. This mm-hmm. um, again, you you look back. The women have been paving the way since the early tens with Olympic medals yep. culminating in a gold. Uh, in Tokyo, they're preparing for a World Cup. Our men, as we all know, yep. first World Cup in 36 years. It was cool. It was I mean, awesome. it, it was cool. It was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. I was the. F- I remember watching the first game at home, and my heart was beating like crazy. I was so nervous. I had so much energy watching us play Belgium in the first game. The first two minutes of the yeah. game, I, like it was a feeling I, I couldn't explain. And I feel like that was something that happened to all Canadian sure fans and and um with all of that with the league 
kind of continuing to, well, definitely continue to, to grow and improve and all these players coming through, um, by all means, a lot of work to be done. We're going in the right direction. It's now a matter of making sure that we're doing it in the right way. Right. Uh, and that we're handling that, that progress because it's happening very quickly. And I know that poses a lot of challenges too. Um, but in short, it's an exciting time. And, um, you know, an old teammate of mine now uh, working for Cavalry, Mason Trafford, yep. has said this a lot. And I think it's so uh, such an important point to think about is, you know, you have a guy like Dominic Zator who used to play with us, Victor Latouri. Those two guys were both at Canada Men's National Team's most recent camp. Mm-hmm. Um, playing at Spruce Meadows at Echo Field only a couple of seasons ago, each mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. That pathway and that development and what is truly tangibly happening right now is unlike anything that's ever happened before in this country. There's players that are going to play this year that will likely be part of the 26 team. Yes. Right? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Right. And it's, and it's, you know, it feels like it's almost at that grassroots level. It really is in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. But that's incredibly exciting because I hope I'm one of those players, you know, and, and I hope there are many others that are now applying their trade and getting these opportunities and finding these pathways that can go on and now do things. But you're comfortable stage. playing where you are that you could get that opportunity. You, yes. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you, you didn't have to feel like you didn't have to leave here to go somewhere else so that John Herdman would find you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think continuing to, I mean, our men's national team shows it. Uh, we have guys who are playing at the highest levels now, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah. And not one or two, like 10, 15 yeah. playing in Europe, playing in the highest, playing in the MLS week in, week out. Um, that is the, that's our, that's the, 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 uh, the standard now, yes. which is incredible. And again, I think the women have been setting that with, with some world class, I don't need to name the names cause we know who they all are, who they all are, but, um, playing for these massive European clubs and whatnot, the standard is growing every single day. And I think that is what bodes. So I, well I like that word. I like that word standard rather than anomaly or one-off or anything that yeah. the, the new stand. Yeah. There's some issues. And, and, and honestly, I can ask you as an athlete, you're part of the Kids Sport Ambassadors. You deal with a lot of athletes. We have NSO issues all across the board right now. So it's, your sport isn't alone. But to me, that's the big piece of this is that now there's a new standard. There's no, you know, when you're talking about playing Belgium, I, I don't know how to articulate it. It was just nice to play a team or a country that you couldn't go to at a discount on Sunwing Air. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a, right? That's a great one. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. you know, it was yeah. an actual football country, right? Yeah, yeah. That That's an interesting conversation. And, and yeah. I want, I hope, you know, that things get cleaned up a little bit. I, I still yeah. hope for you guys. Uh, I know I talked to Tommy. Tommy would love to bring at some point a, an English side over, something like that, a yeah. pro side over to train and things like that. Those are the types of things I want to see in my city. Mm-hmm. I want to see an indoor football field too. Oh, yeah. But I'd also like to see a you know, a new outdoor one or not a newer one, but a, a bigger, maybe you can build, can you build it out at ACO? Can we build more stands? I, I think you absolutely could. I think okay. there's also, uh, and I don't want to speak for the ownership there, but I know that there's, there's space within the grounds elsewhere that also could just potentially saying. accommodate it, which just saying, yeah, again, you look at where we where were at after five years, where are we at after 20 after 25, right. 30, the, the sport's right. not going anywhere. No, it's um, not. It, no, no, but it's not going anywhere. It's just finally going. 
Exactly. Right? And this I've, I've said this to you before. I've said it on here. I mean, I yeah. was in Commonwealth Stadium in whatever, 78, 79. I saw Pele play for the New York Cosmos. Yeah, yeah. There was 47,000 people in that building. I thought it was taken off then, and it didn't. Yeah, yeah. You've seen the stutter steps. You've seen. Now it feels like there's traction. Yes, there's a big issue to deal with, and we'll, we'll get through it because we've got to be adults about it. But, man, you know, I look at soccer, and I look at basketball, and I look at, you know, yeah, okay, I – Sure, great when we win hockey, best on best. I love that. But man, there was something about being part of the World Cup, which is the biggest party in the world, right? Yeah. yeah. There's just something about it. And to have your women be at the top of the table and, you know, and be able to go and bloody the nose of the Americans is, there's something about that. Yeah. That's kids, and this goes back to kids' sport now. Kids need to see this, right? Mm-hmm. Like kids need to understand that Alfonso uh, Davies was a kids' sport kid, yeah. right? And, and, uh, Sam, yep, kid, yep. sport, kid, yep. right? These like are, that's the best part about this. Yeah, these are our, these are the people, the kids now who are playing, and, and you know, it, it's again circling it back to like me looking at it from a different view. Yep, I'm seeing these kids playing at you know whatever eight, nine, ten, eleven years old, and I'm saying which one of these will be the next national team player because that that's the way it works that's the way it works and that's going to happen and the more opportunity we have the more facilities we have the better that this whole system is is governed and and ran Mm -hmm. and 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 taken care of those opportunities will just they'll take off exponentially yeah which which like i said is you know we won't have one alfonso davies and one sam atacubi we might have 10 right uh and now we're and then we get to cut one Right? Like, yeah, I yeah. hate to be, I'm being funny, but I'm not being funny, right? Like, but when that, you get to the having to make those really difficult decisions, mm-hmm. you're in a good place. Yeah, exactly. And like I had mentioned, I think if you look at where, using the men's national team as an example, you look at five, six, maybe seven years ago, mm-hmm. um, it was almost hard to, like, choose, find find the enough players that we're competing at that level to, to give us a chance to even be close to, to qualifying for World Cup. And that's not a knock on anybody. No, and, and I think those guys deserve extra credit because they fought like hell. They did right? everything. Like yeah. Craig Forrest, you know, peer in your, in your position group, I mean, he was it for a long time, right? Like yeah. they fought like hell, yeah. but you just need to be better. Well, and we talk about pathways. Yes. What pathway was there? Never mind... 30 years ago or, or, or longer, 10 years ago. Yeah. Even for me, I had to go to Vancouver to, that's right. to, to have, that's to right. be in a professional environment. That's right. Um, that wasn't that long ago. Nope. Uh, and I was very lucky that I just caught the, the, the kind of, I was just at the right age for that opportunity to arise and then me to, to get that opportunity to go there. Now with the CPL, with uh, the, the MLS clubs, um, youth clubs continuing to grow and develop, they're, the pathways there's never only one no but now we have plenty and you and now we, we we scale it back to those guys who um someone like craig forrest who yep doing what he did then to go overseas and make an amazing career out there as a canadian oh that yeah. must have been tough yeah now we're seeing lots of guys do that because those pathways exist yeah uh, and we're getting in <laughs> who knows maybe there'll be more and more and more and, and, and like i said i think based on the trajectory we've seen lately, yeah, there'll be plenty. So, Marco, uh, Cavalry open up on the road in Hamilton this Saturday, but you are home. Home opener at Atco Field is April 30th. The Valor will be here. Um, There's that, which we want everybody to come watch you. 
anything, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, shout outs for, for any, you know, cancer or anything or information that we want to share? Well, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be connected with an organization. I guess not a shout out for cancer. That's probably wrong, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Well, we totally know what you meant. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been very lucky to, to work with an organization called one ball. Okay. Uh, Great name. Yeah. Testicular says cancer it all. survivors. Yeah, yep. it says it all. Um, one ball. And actually, April is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Okay. Um, I know we're already halfway through it, but uh, a great opportunity to, to find out some more resources. They they are um, a grassroots organization that do incredible work. You know, I got referred after my treatment, and um, thankfully, I'm in a position where... Um, Know, that was the extent of my treatment after mm-hmm. my surgery uh, up until now, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but those guys are supporting men who are going through it. Um, and it's not easy uh, and it's not cheap um, when you talk about fertility and wanting to have children and yep. what that looks like and sperm banks and, and the cost of that um, and having to make those decisions as potentially a, a teenager in this, uh, you know, in, yeah. in a minute, really. Yeah. Um, they're an organization that's starting right there and just helping guys with that. So one ball uh, is a place to, to maybe go look and, and find out and see what they're doing. Cause they are doing incredible work. And the other organization I've shout out uh, is the prostate cancer center here. Mm-hmm. Um, those the, the couple of times I've, I've spoken, I've been able to be at events that they're doing incredible work. It's certainly on a different scale, but um, and focusing on prostate cancer, which is yep. not the same, but it's a men's cancer yep. um, and men's health is what they're focusing on. And um, the PCC, uh, and the people there are doing an amazing top work, notch, amazing Absolutely. work, yeah. uh, and I'm just grateful to to help out in some small way with with those two. And Villains Football Club and Calgary Villains Football Club. Yeah, we uh, like I said, it's certainly still a bit under the wraps, but uh, we coming are hoping, soon. We are hoping to be right. getting all the ducks in a row and, and pushing things forward, and we'll need the community support because um, this is going to be a community project that's going to help us create more places and spaces for kids to play. Uh, and we need more and more of those. So, and that brings us to kids sport, which you're an ambassador, right? Yep, exactly. It, it's, it's a community. I was going to say, <laughs> other than that, nothing going on. Uh, always good to see you. Love you, brother. You are the best. You, I appreciate you coming in and, and talking to us. I've been waiting to do this for a while. It's such an important one. I hope this podcast gets shared around because guys need to hear it. We need to have this conversation and you're leading it. So thank you, sir. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Marco Carducci from your Cavalry FC. They open up on the road on Sunday in Hamilton, but back home at Atco Field on Sunday, April 30th. Of course, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary. Get down there. There's still some spring skiing going on. There's still some, you know, cool nights in the mountains you might need some equipment for. Three locations, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, Bow Ridge Road Northwest by McDonald's at the bottom by Windsport. All right, uh, before we get to the final mile, one uh, 1.30 on Friday. Remember, we're moving the start time by 30 minutes. Akeem Haynes will be our guest, Olympian author and speaker. He'll be in studio with us. Monday, Danny Austin's got the show. It's all his, all the time. Next Wednesday, a week from today, uh, uh, speaking of goaltenders, Brent Cron's going to be in studio as well. Peter Marr will join us. Speaking of Peter Marr, as we go to our final mile, uh, one of the uh, positive stories always around the Calgary Flames at the end of the year is when they hand out the Peter Marr Good Guy Award, and they did so today. Uh, two players that uh, work well with the media and, and are always there, Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman becoming the first ever uh, tie in that award. So there you go. 
Peter Marr on hand to shake their hands. Uh, love that award. Love who it's named after. It's it's the right thing at the right time. Just a reminder, we have been here in the Oodle Noodle studio all day. We're not just crazy about noodles. We put the same energy back into the community. Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. Pickup and delivery. Uh, Flames play game 82 tonight against San Jose. As soon as that's over, it's afterburner with me. And maybe somebody else. We'll see if we can't find somebody else to join us. Uh, the last afterburner of the season. We're back with Akeem Haynes on Friday. Thanks, everybody. Have a great Wednesday, unless you made other plans. We'll see you soon.